On this week's episode, we have an interview with the COO of Marina, where we can t- we learn more about their company and the work that they do with EOS and privacy-focused smartphones and their cloud services. Welcome to episode 348 of Destination Linux, your favorite video podcast. My name is Michael. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jill. And we also have many great things to discuss, like our tips, tricks, and software picks. So let's get this show on the road towards Destination Linux. You know, some people collect Pokemon cards. Uh, others collect baseball cards. Sure. I even, I've never told people this before, have a little bit of a collection of UFC trading cards. Mm, nice. You know, I didn't even know those existed. Yeah, they're out there. And collections are vast as people's interests. You can collect things for nearly every hobby out there. However, Michael on this show has the strangest hobby of all. I have many hobbies and many collections. No, what are you talking about? This one's very weird. You collect domain names. You collect domain names like nobody I've ever seen in my life. That's like, just ridiculous. That's true. That's ridiculous. I only have about 70. What's 100, 70, 100, like my kids would say. They're <laughs> like, I want 70, 100 of this because that's what it's not just 70. Like Pokemon, Michael has to collect them all. Literally, and, and I mean this, any discussion we have with Michael about a new business thing always ends with, we should buy a domain for that. That's Michael's like input of let's buy a domain for that. He wants the .com, the .net, the .biz, the .community. He wants them all. He wants to collect them all because like they're going out of style. Okay, that's a bit excessive. I, I do have a lot of domains and those conversations have happened, but .biz... Really? <laughs> That's the one that got you? That's the oh. one you're like, I don't collect those. I have three. Those are for plebs. I still have three. <laughs> Pleb collectors are the dot biz. So as you can imagine, this gets quite expensive uh, for us. But thankfully, I was able to find a solution for that. And that's where Namecheap comes in. Namecheap is a place where, as you guessed by their name, you can buy domains for cheap. Therefore, that Namecheap. That makes sense. Yeah, and you can also host sites and they have other services there as well. So if you want to be like Michael and collect domain names or you're actually starting a business and just need one, I suggest going to Namecheap. This is where we get ours and we have a link in the show notes where you can start your collection and support our show all at the same time. You can do both at the same time. In fact, they could probably go to a really clever URL that you probably bought, Michael. So I got that, a domain for this, yeah. Ryan. What you do? What's that domain, Michael? DestinationLinux.net slash Namecheap. See, the .net was a thing, but I wish it was .biz now because then I've been like, oh, you did buy a .biz. <laughs> well, so .net, I could add to my Linux. collection, Ryan. What about yeah. .tv? Well, well don't, don't encourage him, Jill. <laughs> so click that link and see if you can out-collect Michael. We'd like to welcome Alexi Notinger to Destination Linux. Alexi is the CEO of Marina, a company well-known for designing privacy-focused smartphones with slash E slash OS and cloud services that put their users, their users' privacy first. Alexi, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. So good to have so you, I'm Alexi. I'm particularly excited about this interview because I've had some fun and done some videos on EOS here recently. But before we get into all of that, um, I want to get to know a little bit about you some. So how did you get started working with Marina as a company? Yeah, sure. So I I joined the project a bit more than five years ago. Um, I was actually, uh, I used to work before in uh, in a sound company, Bose, Bose Speakers. 
Oh, yeah. I, oh, I wow. see actually a pair of Bose headphones. Nice. <laughs> yep. So I'm actually wearing wearing the same ones. And uh, and after that job, basically, I look for for another gig, and um, and I basically uh, bumped into a post from uh, Gaël Duval, uh, so the founder of the project, who uh, who founded uh, uh, Mandrake Linux uh, back at the end of the 2000s, and he was basically uh, presenting the project and what he was looking for uh, achieving with that, and I that really resonated to me, and I said, you know. I, I I thought that the uh, the mission, the ambition was great, and I said, "All right, let's go." And that's that's how we started. Um, okay. And the, the the fun thing is that we realized a few months after I joined that we were actually uh, we we met before when we were kids and we used to spend time together when we were kids. Oh, wow. But our our oh, path went away for quite awesome. some time, so that was quite funny. Yeah, so it was the mission then of Marina that got you interested because you're working for a very successful company at the time, Bose. That's a that's a nice safety net. It's a big company. It's been around forever, um, doing some really cool things in the audio. But you said it was the mission of what Marina was working on when you saw that that really struck you. What specifically about that mission was so important to you? Yeah, indeed. So the... the um I think what opened my eyes was everything that happened around the uh, Cambridge Analytica uh, that really made it uh, visible to a lot of people that there was this uh, data collection and potentially um, things that could go wrong when you start assembling people's data and that most of us were not really uh, paying attention. And a few months before that, actually, I, I was part of the project at Bose where we launched a pair of headphones with Google Assistant built in. Uh, so I was completely on the other side, you know, thinking, oh, it's great to put an assistant in a headphone, which from a, from a feature standpoint is actually quite good. But then when you start understanding everything that happens in the, in, in the back that's hidden, uh, you start, you know, wondering, is it actually that good? And is the benefit of, you know, including all these technologies actually uh, um, uh, offsetting all of the risks? Uh, that are linked with the data collection and all that, and and so this this whole scandal started to uh, to uh, make me think a bit differently. And then, as a as a dad, I've got I've got uh, two daughters that uh, don't have yet a smartphone, but soon they will have one. And then you say, do I really want them to use a smartphone now that I know right. everything that's happening in, in the that. background? So that's why I said instead of for once there was a a, a project saying. There is an issue, and instead of just letting it go, we're going to try to solve it. And I think even if the the uh, the, the ambition is huge, uh, what I what I found really interesting at the time is that someone was really trying to say there is a way to solve it. It's not going to be perfect. It's gonna it's gonna ask people to make a few trade offs, but we believe that the trade offs are worth it. And at the end of the day, let's let's make it happen. You know, let's let's show that there is a problem, but but try to make a solution work for everyone out there. And that's why that's why what got me into it is say, all right, let's let's give it a shot. Uh, it's it's something important for everyone, uh, and that's why I was really uh, excited to uh, to join. Oh, cool, Lexi. So, that. what first got you interested in open source and privacy? Yeah, so open source. So I I had a few um, uh, a few experiences with open source many years ago. Uh, I still remember receiving CDs with a 
Linux on the CD, so yeah. it kind of gives you an idea <laughs> when, the, when that was. Yes. Uh, and I tested it, and I find it really cool, but at the time, I didn't really have the, the, the need. Um, uh, I had a, a professional computer, so, you know, with a basically uh, a program that is pushed by your company, you can't really do anything about it. So I, I was playing a bit here and there, but didn't really have the time. And that was more than 20 years ago. And, you know, at the time, you didn't have all those tutorials, all those methods to allow you to um, to learn quickly or, or get to know a system uh, with someone helping you to go through all the, all the pain of, of getting in there. And so that I, I kind of dropped it because I didn't really have the time. And now I guess that if, if at the time I would have had all the resources that you have today with, with videos online, with tutorials, that would have changed a lot. But, uh, and so I really, I really liked it. I found that the, um, what you could do at the time with it was quite interesting. But then, as I said, for many, for mostly for professional reason, I, I didn't use Linux at the time. And so when, when um, we co connected with Gail to, to speak about Marina, speak about US in general and what was the intent, for me, what was really cool about open source is that compared to all of the operating systems and a lot of applications that are out there today, they can, they can claim privacy, but it's only a marketing only. It's basically a marketing message. And right. so oh, yeah. for, for us, what we thought was really powerful is to say, well, instead of just, you know, launching a technology and say, people trust us, <laughs> you don't know how it works, but trust us on our good words, we're fine looking, <laughs> trust us. Uh, the, the fact that you can, you can look under the hood and see how it works, see how, it's, how everything is working. It's for, for us, it beats whatever marketing plan, whatever marketing money you throw here and there. And, and it has really a powerful, uh, it's, it's a powerful statement. And at the same time, it's, it's a bit risky because you're saying, you know, we're going to have to commit to it. We're going to have to always do it this way. We can't go back. We can't change. Um, and, and for me, the, uh, the combination of the two was, was really what convinced me to say, you know, go for it. Because again, we're not, we're not gonna, we're not gonna say to others, we're gonna do privacy better and do it the same way. We're, we're really trying to say we're doing privacy better and, and we're showing it can be done in a different way. And if you don't believe us, you know, just, Go, go and see, go and see what's there. It's in, it's not hidden. Um, and we believe that's, that's really one of the best, uh, proposition you, you can give to people in general today. And in fact, we believe that most of the companies out there doing tech sh should, should do it this way because there is, there is no better way to win people's trust at the end. Yeah. So true. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And the best way to do it is to just be upfront, and that's what Marina does. And also, Marina has been involved in a lot of partnerships that I think are fascinating, especially like the NextCloud stuff and the Fairphone partnership, which was very yeah. exciting, mm -hmm. making it possible for people in the U.S. to get a Fairphone, which has been a very hard thing to do for mm -hmm. a long time. Yes, yeah, exactly. like we both pulled <laughs> them out at the same time. Yes. So, Absolutely. how how would you describe Marina as a company and also its projects for our listeners? Our, our belief is that, I mean, if if you look today at the 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 main players, these guys have been out there for 10, 15, 20 years, twenty five years. Um, they have a tunnel of the, of knowledge. They have um, they have built um, processes, teams that are super efficient, and for us, 
first of all, to be seen as um, as relevant and at the same time uh, to be seen as, as really a, a, an alternative, we had to to stop and, and and think for a minute to say, how can we do it? And clearly, if we would have said to everyone, we're going to reinvent everything, a lot of people would have said, no, it's never going to happen. And so for us, what was critical is to is to look at are there other companies, uh, non-profit projects that are doing part or solving part of the of the uh, the equation, part of the thing we're trying to address, and that we could leverage because that's one of the key or the the the, the great advantages of open source is you can really get this collaboration, get this. Um, uh, community way of looking at stuff and say, I'm not good at this, or I cannot do that. Whoa, there's already a project that is kind of on the shelf that I could use, improve, and and combine with something else and, and go one level further. And so um, the example with Fairphone is quite interesting. When when we uh, when we launched the, uh, the operating system in beta version, uh, pretty much at the at at the same time we launched it, people starting in the Fairphone community started to say uh, there is Fairphone OS, which was at the time the, uh, the the proposal of Fairphone. And they asked, the community asked, you know, what operating system would you like to see on Fairphone? Uh, and it's something we we saw, you know, one day, I think someone from our community said, oh, have you seen there's a, there's a poll on the Fairphone community asking which operating system you would like to see? And at the time there was EOS, there was uh, Lineage, I think there was Ubuntu. Ubuntu uh, Touch and a few others, and we 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 came actually at, as the first choice. Yeah. Um, so that was oh, quite nice. interesting for us to see, you know, a community like Fairphone bigger than us and already uh, installed already with with uh, hardware in the marketplace. And so um, we reach out to the Fairphone um, to the Fairphone people and say, you know, you're doing a great job on the hardware level. But we see that a lot of your customers are actually asking for something even better. And for us, the operating system, EOS, is really complementing what, what Fairphone does. They do a tremendous job in, in trying to reestablish the supply chain, in trying to document you know, where all their, um, their minerals are coming from, trying to ensure that they are uh, buying stuff uh, free of conflicts, which is tremendous. I mean, oh, yeah. today the whole industry is just doing it the way it has always been done and not really questioning that. And so on our side, we said, wow, if we are able to combine the two together, this would be really um, impressive. And uh, with that, we, we went to see Fairphone. And at the time, you know, they, um, they had a lot going on because it was between the, uh, I believe, the, the, the launch of the Fairphone 3, the introduction of the, uh, the Fairphone 2, the, and close to the launch of the Fairphone 3. And so the the um, uh, what was what benefited us is that um, they have always been working um, to uh, towards the open source community. They've been always really open uh, to the open source community, and and the fact that we were developing EOS on those principles really resonated to them. Um, and so they agreed on on uh, putting together a collaboration, a partnership, so that we could. We could really uh, develop the operating system for that for that phone, um, and that's how it that's how it's it's uh, it started. And then 
Uh, Nextcloud is also an interesting uh, an interesting company. We believe they do a, a, a tremendous job trying to um, give credible alternatives to uh, Office 365 or to Google Workspace. And again, this is already a solution that exists. On our side, we want to do it slightly differently. So uh, we're using Nextcloud and, and tweaking it in, in, a, in a certain way. But again, if we would have uh, to reinvent this from, from scratch, it would have taken three, four, five years additional. And clearly, if you want to give a solution, if you want to give an ecosystem today that uh, protects people's privacy, you, you want to do that now and not tell people to wait uh, another, another few years. I think that's so powerful what you mentioned about the uniqueness of the open source company is that you can easily go out there, reach out, see somebody who's built something great and start incorporating that work in there. Your partnership with Fairphone 4 is not only great for everyone out there, but it's next level. And, and if people haven't seen my video, I just want to show you just one <laughs> example of how amazing the Fairphone 4 is. The back can comes take the off back and off. I can remove the battery. Awesome. I know kids out there are not going to understand that. You've never seen something like that. When we talk <laughs> about repairability, when we talk about actually owning your hardware, those are some of the cool things that Fairphone 4 does. Um, I actually, on my video, it was a real reaction because I, I was doing a live unboxing of EOS and Fairphone 4. And so I was recording, and, and I didn't do research like I typically do because I wanted to get my actual reaction. And you'll see in the video when I realized that you can pull off the cover of the phone and actually replace the parts inside of it, like how blown away I was because I hadn't seen this in decades. Uh, from a phone, but also on a very slim profile, not some big, thick, giant brick you're carrying around and things. And then when I booted up the phone and saw EOS for the first time, you could see that reaction too, because it's gorgeous. It's freaking gorgeous. Like it, it looks like it came from a company that's worth $2 trillion. Um, and, and that kind of the partnership that you guys have done utilizing Nextcloud, the partnership with the hardware, uh, taking that and you know combining it with the stuff you're doing in EOS, it, it's next level. It truly is next level what you guys are doing. It's awesome. I oh, love thank it. you. I really appreciate this. Um, and the team mission... too, because <laughs> I'm the only yeah. one speaking here, but there's a lot of people working in the background. So it's yeah, also their great that, work. That's that, when you, you know for sure that that person is an open source enthusiast is when they get the compliments, they always want to push it back to the team. Yes. That, yeah. that, that's a great <laughs> sign. And so, yeah. Well, especially from me, because I'm not a developer, so <laughs> I cannot <laughs> pretend I developed anything in, in the operating system. But I mean, there's, we, we have a great team of people helping. Uh, there's, a, there's a tremendous amount of contributors uh, helping at so many different levels with translations, with uh, feedback, with testing the operating system. And to be honest, that's one of the, that's one of the great things that, that uh, makes me smile when I think about open source. There's always that idea that uh, together you can achieve many things, but as a community, you can do even more. And yeah. there's, there's no better way, uh, I think, to, to show the benefit of open source uh, than, than having a community pushing for, for a project like this one or like many others. There's so many great open source projects out there. So, Well, let's talk about your mission statement because that's very important for a company. And in part, because isn't the full mission statement, but this is the powerful part um, of it, to give people freedom of choice so they can regain control over their lives. Now, I have kids too. This is a constant, you mentioned your daughters and being a constant fear when they get phones and things. This is a constant fear that I have 
But there's a lot of people out there. My channel has a lot of privacy content on it. We talk about privacy here that just like, I give up. Like everything seems to have Google entwined in it. No matter, I would have to sit here with a tinfoil hat, turn off all my computers to have privacy. People feel so overwhelmed that they've lost their privacy that they've just kind of given up. And I wanted to hear it from you, uh, maybe to, to talk to some of those people like I try to and say, you know, what in your mind, what is the big problem that we should, why should we be concerned about privacy? Why not just go get Android, the latest Samsung version and turn on all the yes, track me, yes, do this, because <laughs> why, why not? At this point, we've just given up, right? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, sure. That's, that's, a, that's a great question. And uh, that's one of, the, one of the questions we get asked, I think, the most often is, why should I care? Um, and we understand it's not easy because um, until, I think until you've gotten into a situation where you potentially leave the privacy invasion with something that touches you as a as an individual as a person is going to be very hard to understand uh, where it can go wrong um, because when you think about it what the the um, the way a smartphone works today and and because of all the different layers that are uh, that you're looking at so you have the operating system you have the applications that most of the time uh, are not made by the companies, uh, neither distributing the application or uh, or um, offering the application as a service. For example, if you look at newspapers, they don't have developers internally. They're going to go out. They're going to go to a third-party company. They're going to say, I need this application to do X, Y, Z. And then this third-party co developing company is using bricks that are available in the marketplace, putting them together putting a UI on top of that, and that's an application. And so it seems today so convenient to start a smartphone and say, oh, it just works. You know, so you kind of lose track of, uh, of how it works and what's happening in the background. So first of all, I, on our side, we believe that the, the, um, the most dangerous thing in a phone is that at the end of the day, it's a computer where um, you give uh, calling capabilities and you add a GPS. And these two things potentially can link to uh, or, or can create uh, potential issues. GPS basically reports your location. So if your phone is with you all the time, your location is on. So the question is, is the operating system is accessing your location in the background? Yes, no, for what? Uh, is an application accessing the location in the background and what is it doing with it? And basically today, if you go, to, if you use a conventional smartphone, your location is going to be, is going to phone home to whatever mm -hmm. company the, the, uh, is, is, uh, making the phone. And so that location becomes a data. And then you have no idea where this data is ending up. Is it remaining with the, with, with that company? Is it sold? To, uh, to another company as anonymized information or not. But that you don't really know because you have to go through a lengthy uh, PDF or, or a page on a web view that is 120 pages long with a very um, uh, specific language, legal language that none of us understand. Mm -hmm. And basically you don't read it. But most of the time this this terms that you're reading are saying it is likely that we're going to use this data and use it anonymized and potentially give it access to other companies. And so if you look at the location, 
when your phone is potentially uh, tagging your location 90 times per, per hour, at some point that data is available to someone. And so how is it going to be used? You never know. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, you could have health, health issues. So maybe on a recurrent basis, you are going to a, to a hospital, you're going to a clinic. That's information that is personal. No one aside of you should know that, right? But maybe your data is accessed by a third-party company that is uh, your insurer. And so based on your location, your insurance could say, that person is going often to, uh, to have medical checks, so maybe his health is not good. So we should potentially raise his, his, uh, his fee, raise his, uh, uh, his insurance fees. You see, it's, it's all of these things that you don't think at the beginning, and then when you start understanding how it works, you say, eh, I don't think I want to do that. Um, and logically, you know, maybe, maybe many companies don't use this data as this way, but some do. Yeah. And when you combine the plenty of stories in there about yeah. people's credit, for instance, companies are utilizing it to establish credit for individuals to determine whether they're going to give them credit, reduce their credit. Those type of stories are out there. It has a real impact on, on, on people's lives. And one of the things that I like to tell people too is, you can start today because one of the key things about when you're talking about they're sending information a hundred and a thousand times a day, some people were like, man, since a kid, I didn't know about privacy. I had my phone, all the stuff turned on. They've got all this data on me already. What's the point in stopping now? Well, it's very important to them that that data is constantly up to date. That's why they're doing hundreds and thousands of pools a day on you if you have all those apps enabled because they want most current information. Once that information ages out, it's actually really difficult for them to sell it to any third parties or do anything with it because that information's aged. So you could start today. And, and just one more thing to add for people is you want some really good reading. Go read Samsung's privacy policy. And that's one privacy policy I tell everyone to read. This is Ryan's words. Uh, I like go how you said good reading. Read I thought you were going to give like policy. a book recommendation. And all of a sudden, it's a privacy policy if of how horrible... Want, uh, I'm telling you, if you don't think privacy is important, read that privacy policy and then come back and tell me it's not important. Like when you realize how much information is being gathered, one particular AI conference I went to recently was talking about the fact that companies know who you're sleeping next to, yep. who's in your home, all of this based on your phone GPS. So they know you have a relationship with somebody that you're in the same room with that person. And maybe you're just the perfect citizen that's never made a mistake, but the person next to you is not. And now you're being linked and categorized with that. So that can have effects with you. Like it just goes so deep. We could probably make one of those Black Mirror Netflix episodes on it. But I appreciate everything that you're saying. Well, no, because, because those are important. fiction. And this is yeah. just this is reality. But, yeah. and, and, and I think, you know, what I like to use as an example is... Um, People tend to, when you speak about privacy, m most of the people will say, well, I have nothing to hide. True, you may have nothing to hide and, and good for you. But when you <laughs> think about it, at some point, if this data is collected, it ends up somewhere. And that somewhere is, as I said before, most likely a company you have never heard of before, but you don't know where that information is. You don't know how it is secured. And you don't know if one day that information is going to go out. And then you hear all of these, um, all of these scams, uh, that people get, uh, get hacked because at some, at some point there, um, someone 
has been able to um, uh, to pretend it was uh, um, either via SMS or whatever. And there's there are so many scams like this out there, and these scams are possible because at at some point data is is has been seeded yeah. here and there, and so. Yes, you may have nothing to hide, but the more your data is collected, the more your data is stored somewhere else, the more you are at risk actually to get scammed someday. And so even without falling into the uh, uh, the black mirror thing where you, you get you know uh, paranoiac about everything, just think about that for a second. You want your, at some point you want to uh, release the least amount of data possible because the more that is out there, the more there is the option that someone is gonna scam you at some point. <laughs> Because yeah, there's a lot of people who don't facts. have good intentions out there. <laughs> you, you're yeah. right, though. These little facts create trust. I could say, if I called you and I'm a scammer and I know nothing about you, probably very difficult for me to scam you if you have any um, idea that this stuff's going on at all, right? But if I call you as a scammer and I'm like, by the way, yeah, you were. this is Ryan, you were just at the bank this morning and you know, one of the things we forgot to write down was your checking account number before you left here or something. Now I've established, because I know you went to the bank because I've got this data this morning, this level of trust now. You're like, wow, this has got to be the bank. They know I went there today. They were talking. So like these little details start adding up to be able to scam people more. It's happened to family members of mine where they're calling up, know their specific computer model and information and where they bought it. And so they're calling to say, hey, there's a virus on your machine. You bought it at Best Buy in November <laughs> and uh, you actually have this virus scanner on there. But I'm from that company. And we want to run a quick update. We just need access in. And that was one that got a family member of mine because they had that data. Yep. Mm-hmm. It established a level of trust. Yeah. I have an example where my a family member of mine was on a phone call and I had gotten into like like in the vicinity of that phone call after it already started and I was listening to what they were asking questions and they said something about not getting the name right or like the birthday right or something like that, but they had other details. And I thought, like, what is this? And I just kind of stopped the conversation and they told me what, like my family member told me what was going on. And I realized this is now completely a scam. And I, I basically, I, I was, yeah, I yelled at the person on the phone like I don't typically do it, but I don't tell. But because they they know what they're doing is bad. Yeah, like it's it's if it's because it's not an automated system. It's an automated system. It's Playing just with you. yeah, you know, right. But I was annoyed by this because they're basically trying to take advantage of someone who doesn't like who's not really like tech savvy and knowing where this com- this information is coming from. So they had enough information to confuse them, and that is a fantastic example of why just because you have nothing to hide is like you're doing something wrong. It's the same concept of just because you you don't expect anyone to steal your car, you don't leave it unlocked. You know, yeah, You're, you want to. Well, I like it to up. tell people, like, yeah, because someone innocent is never gone to jail or ever been accused of something. So you could be completely innocent; it doesn't mean anything. Geofencing is a perfect example of where that's actually happened. Mm-hmm. People are geofenced into an area where a crime takes place, and now they're thinking you might be the one involved in that crime unnecessarily. So th- these things really mm. do happen. Yeah. So I appreciate your take <laughs> on that and the work that you're doing in privacy, but I think it's really important for us to have that discussion because there's a lot of people, I think they're in two camps. One, they give up. The other is I've already given so much information at this point. And I think both, you could start today. You could change yeah, it's the day and it's going to make a big difference. Yeah. yeah. Also the amount of rampant GPS data collection is just, it's offensive even because I purchased some lights for my setup 
to, you know, light me. And then it says, when I'm trying to adjust the color on the app, it says, you need to activate your location. No, I don't. Sent light back immediately. Got a different one that didn't require that crap. Just to change the color of a light. <laughs> Just to change to the color, you need my location. Why would you need my location exactly. for the color of a light? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about EOS because EOS is fantastic. And it's, there's a lot of cool things about it. And one of the amazing things about EOS is that you don't have to sacrifice using the apps that you want, which is something that used to be a compromise you had to do. Right. So how does Marina allow you access to apps on the Play Store while protecting the user's privacy? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So one one of the key thing we um, we actually I remember speaking about this with Gaël when we when we met one of the first time was to say uh, let let's not make the same mistake uh, that were made in the past with uh, operating systems because at the end of the day yes you hear operating systems on a daily basis but at the end of the day what people use is apps and uh, you don't want to lock people in a uh, in a golden tower and and not accessing apps anymore, uh, because yes, you know, I will I will say publicly, I'm not really a fan of WhatsApp. I don't use WhatsApp, but I know many people do, and often you don't have a choice if you want to stay connected with your family. You have to install WhatsApp on your device, and what can be that? It can be your bank. It can be many things. And so for, for us, the goal was really to say, if we want people to use the operating system, we have to be compatible with applications. Um, but then let's try to do that in a, in a different way. And so the, with applications, we're trying to, to, uh, th there's three things we're trying to do. Uh, first is allow, allow users of EOS to find, uh, several catalogs of applications in, in one place. Uh, so we have developed, uh, app lounge, which is basically our app store. We, we don't sell anything today, uh, uh, in there. Uh, maybe it will come in the future, but it's basically where you will find um, applications from the Play Store. You will find applications from FDroid, uh, which is the, the go-to source for open source apps. And you will also find a catalog of uh, progressive web apps. We believe that actually progressive web apps should be something uh, that people use more and more because you have the benefit of downloading a little amount of data compared to the full blown out that is uh, more and more quite quite heavy. So that's the first thing we do. And then because indeed we know that applications are not always super friendly with data, we wanted to do two things. First, show potentially what are the hidden trackers in each app and, and make it in a way that is simple for people to, uh, to see. So we have uh, what we call the privacy score in App Lounge. So when you look for an Android application, you, you, can, you can see the amount of permission the app requires to work before you install it. And you can also see potentially hidden trackers. And so the, this gives you kind of a, um, an X-ray, if you will, of what's included in the application. So you can see in advance if there are some, um, uh, some trackers that uh, might send your data to, uh, to an advertising company, to advertising agencies, uh, you can see if the application is uh, using, I don't know, a um, uh, another uh, stuff to track users. Or it, it's really the idea to say before you compromise your data, we show you potentially what the risk, and then it's up to you to make the choice. We don't make the choice on your behalf. Um, you choose that, uh, but you choose knowing 
potentially the, the risk in advance. We want people to allow, we want, we want people to use apps. We have added a, another uh, thing to protect them, which is called advanced privacy, which allows you to block trackers uh, once you have installed an app on your system. Um, and so for, for us, the idea of App Lounge was to say, let's not fall into the same traps uh, that people have to go through today. So today, if you want to, if you want to use, uh, if you want to download an application on uh, on your iPhone on iOS, you need to be connected to the uh, uh, to the App Store uh, on on Google Android. If you want to download an application, you need to be connected to the Play Store, and this is where the tracking starts. You know, yeah. today a Google knows how many applications you have installed on your Android smartphone and on a conventional Android smartphone and how, how often you open them and what you do with them. And so because we don't need that information uh, at Marina and we have uh, developed EOS to be privacy by design, we don't need that information. We don't do anything with it. So that's why we're not collecting it. And so we developed App Lounge in a way that you don't need to, to sign in with an account. You're basically free to sign in, uh, to open, uh, not to sign in, to open App Lounge uh, without having any accounts linked in, and you can download and install the apps without uh, without any uh, uh, without any limitation. And for us, this was really important because it's it's nearly impossible to say to people log into uh, log into the service, but we we're not gonna we're not gonna see what you're doing with it. Uh, and so for us, it's it's again we go back to that idea of trust. The best way to build trust is not to collect the data in the first place. So you're informing users about apps. And that's one of the first things I saw, I remember, when I opened up the App Store is, if people don't know, Google Play Store is based on the honor system for the app, the privacy tracking that they um, decide that they want to let people know about. So the developers are supposed to go in there and write, hey, we're grabbing geolocation, and they tell Google and the Play Store what they're doing. But Google doesn't actually track that they're being honest with that. It's an honor system. So you don't really know everything that's turned on when you when you look at that information. Marina has an additional rating system on there that talks about the stuff that you're actually looking to see that that app's enabling and going through. So you've got this. Now you're informing the user more about the app that they're putting on there. Additionally, it's like a video game on your front screen when you open EOS because it'll tell you how many how many blockers and things that it's <laughs> whacked out of the system and it has a little counter that goes and then you can go in there and see which apps are doing things that maybe you know at one point you're okay with now you're not so okay with and it's draining your battery and other things um and that's the other interesting thing is how good the battery life was on this device to me uh obviously fairphone put a very nice large size battery in and things but uh it's because your phone's not sitting there pinging servers every five seconds sending information i have to believe is a big part of the battery life no, indeed. savings as well through this this whole uh endeavor which is pretty cool yeah so that's i, I love what you guys have done uh with the app store and and being able to get the apps that you need for instance one of the big holdups for me was i have a work vpn that has very specific applications for security that it needs a lot of these other alternative OSs, you know, you're you're using just an open source store, don't have access to those. And what, I'm just not supposed to use my phone for work anymore? I mean, that those are the compromises you were having to make. And with EOS, I didn't have to make that compromise. I could get those apps still. I could install those. I could utilize them. 
um, it's just very, very powerful what you guys did there. No, thank you. That. Thank you. That, that's that's really the intent. Is if if you want someone to uh, to use a phone on the uh, as a daily driver, it needs to work. And so we 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 still have you know quite a lot of work to uh, uh, to maintain this and and to go even further. Uh, but for us, it's it's critical. If you if you're not capable of um, of allowing people to use uh, applications, they they need to. Then it's it's not going to work. So it's uh, it's really crucial. Uh-huh. One one last question here from our patron room. I think it's a really interesting one. Google has done a lot of work recently uh, with certain things in the browser world and others where they start weaponizing their TOS to stop companies from doing certain things, um, stop them from getting to be able to collect your data and things. Are you all worried at all that Google could take its TOS from its Play Store and? find a way to kind of shut down the way you guys are doing the Play Store? Uh, good question. So we we have been uh, checking, checking this on our side and and based on our uh, legal counsel and is better at that than, than I am for sure. Uh, <laughs> he's been confirming that we're we're not infringing uh, Google's term of services. I'll be clear: if they want to if they want to play hardball, they they can, uh, and they are much bigger than we are. So they they were pretty sure that um, uh, if they really want to go after us for whatever reason, they will surely find something. At the same time, what is important to note is that with everything that's happening around them, um, due to a lot of stuff that you know with advertising with their dominance on android and on the phone market and in many other areas they are uh, under quite a lot of scrutiny and we believe that to a certain extent that um, all of the custom-run projects like us but like the others are actually uh, a good thing for them because it shows that uh, they are uh, not closing and locking down everything and that they let other um, other projects wor- uh, work and live. Uh, so we will see. But again, if they, as I was saying before, if one day they want to change their policies and and uh, and make it more difficult, they, I, I don't think how the community they... will find a way. That's what we <laughs> know about open yeah. source. Hopefully. We will find a way. Uh, yeah, Aww. open source finds a way. That's right. <laughs> Alexi, let's uh, start talking about your hardware. You know, you can put EOS on many phones out there. In fact, I had put EOS on my OnePlus 2 a long time ago, and I loved it. And I love the software curation and, uh, you know, linking to F-Droid. I thought that was brilliant because uh, you were the first really to do that <laughs> with all with all the different, you know, spinoffs of lineage and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You were the, the first to do that. So, but tell us what options are available to those who want to start taking their privacy back and being conscious you know about what they're putting out there in the world sure so today you can uh, install EOS on a bit more than 200 uh, 200 smartphones from from the market <laughs> um, one thing that is very important for us is to uh, try to maintain um, software available as long as possible so within those 200 and and plus smartphone you have some uh, we support some lg phone back from 2013 i've got one somewhere in in my office that i need to actually to uh, to install and test um but there's a wide variety of of brands that are supported uh from samsung to sony to uh to oneplus um to xiaomi to fairphone uh 
it's quite quite varied actually. Uh, one of the good thing is that if depending on on your uh, on on your uh, wallet, you will most likely find um, different uh, different type of hardware. Some are more premium than others and more expensive. And most of these phones are available, you know, refurbished, or you can still find them new in the market. So, so it's uh, it's uh, it's quite um, quite accessible if you uh, if you could say it like this. And you also have some of your own hardware, like yeah. the Marina One, I believe, and the Mini out there, and some other things, right, that you develop. Yeah, so the, we we uh, we try when we can to uh, to launch our own hardware and to um, add additional things that we don't find in the marketplace. Uh, so, for example, we have just finished a um, we're just uh, we're still actually in, in crowdfunding for uh, the Marina Two. Uh, so, the Marina Two is a is an interesting device where we try to push the idea of uh, privacy protection a bit a bit further. Um, mm-hmm. So the device is a standard uh, six-inch uh, display phone, but we added on uh, two hard two uh, switches. One is a a hardware kill switch. So when you activate the kill switch, nice. it basically blocks the access to your camera and microphone. Nice. And the second switch is a software switch uh, to which we have. Um, uh, assigned the uh, airplane mode and uh, and no sound mode. So if you want to have your phone that goes completely off, like kind of be disconnected, you, if you want to focus, if you want to stop being annoyed by notifications, you can you can turn this on. And so the idea of the uh, of the kill switch is to say, again, you give a lot of uh, permissions to applications on your device. At some point, you want to be really sure that no application in the background is accessing the camera, accessing the microphone. Turn the switch off, oh, yeah. and because it's hardware switch, there's no way any software on the phone can access it. So again, it's that idea of you're in control of your device. When you want the camera to work, you set it on, you turn it on. When you want it off, you leave it off. And nice. having it with just a switch makes it super, super easy. Awesome. So with that, how is that phone available in the U.S.? The number one question I got when I finished my video was, I can't wait till it's available in the U.S. Even though I covered <laughs> that you can get the, th- the thing in the in the U.S. So this is a common uh, thing. Even though our podcast is heard in 196 countries, we got a big uh, population of U.S. people who want to get into this as well. So, um, what's the answer to that? Make yes, it simple. Good, good questions. We have a U.S. shop uh, where we have a, a catalog of all the devices that have been uh, tested and fully operational for uh, for the U.S. market. So uh, we have the Fairphone Four. Uh, that we actually uh, launched back in uh, back in the summer. Uh, so the only way to buy the Fairphone in the US is to buy it via uh, Marina. So that's also one of the great benefits of the partnership with Fairphone. They they uh, they trust us to be the right partner to launch their device in the US. Then we have a few other uh, devices available today. One is the uh, TerraCube 2E. So TerraCube is a uh, is an American company. They launched, uh, I think. Two or three years ago, a device that is a bit similar to the Fairphones. It's a repairable. You can open the back. You can uh, remove and replace the battery. It's a different hardware, a bit uh, a bit more low end uh, for those. But for those people, you know, who are looking for uh, maybe their first uh, their first smartphone, uh, yeah. it's actually a nice um, a nice combination. Um, 
Then we offer other uh, models like uh, actually a premium refurbished Google Pixel 5 degoogled, which is the irony of the oh, wow. exercise. Uh, and then we're going to have the Morena 2 available by the uh, by the end of the year. That's the that's what we are working on right now. Uh, and that's a, a great way to support Marina, right? Is to go out there and check out that. It's actually very successful right now, but um, lots of stretch goals and cool things that could be done if people want to go check out that Indiegogo Kickstarter out there. Already 252,000 raised, and I'm hoping for another 10 million to be added to that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yes, uh, this is a very awesome way to go support there. You can also just make a pledge if you're not interested or you can't get the phone for whatever reason right now. You can do a $5 pledge to help support this movement and the things that they're doing there at Marina. Or you can get a nice discount on the phone for pledging early here in there. So this is a company that it's not like those other Kickstarters. You have to worry, are they actually going to release this thing? You guys have done it. You've released your phones in the past. The hardware has gotten in people's hands. Um, so yeah, definitely go out there and check that out. We'll have a link in the show notes. Yeah. So Alexi, tell us more about your cloud service. What makes it different from other cloud services? Morena Cloud is what we call the cloud service. The The idea was basically to complement the phone with a way for people to uh, back up their data, but also at the same time have a an email service that would share the same principles uh, as the operating system. Um, and be able to uh, do things online, uh, like creating documents, amending uh, spreadsheets, or doing presentations. So to a certain extent, it is quite similar to what you're going to find on uh, Office 365 or uh, Google Workspace. We don't have all of the features that these guys have, but the idea is to have um, a service that you can use today uh, and where you will be able to do most of what you do uh, in, in other services. Um, and the way it's built, it you can actually connect your, uh, create an account and connect your Marina Cloud to your uh, EOS smartphone. Or you can use EOS without the Marina Cloud, or you could use Marina Cloud without, uh, without any smartphone on EOS. The idea is really to give people the choice and it's up to them to, to uh, sync the two together or use one uh, independently or the other. Um, and so the um, the cloud service, the idea is to make it uh, a bit like the operating system, quite easy to use. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of things we're looking into in the future. Um, and we know there's a lot of uh, additional things we, we need to, uh, to work on um, to, to make it even even better. There's, I, I can't share everything we're working on right now, but uh, cool. hopefully... Uh, a few oh, we'll good put the things will light on you later. Maybe some more <laughs> next cloud integration. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Marina.io. So you don't need to have a Marina phone to utilize this service. People can utilize this no matter what phone they have. And it's a great way to support this company and the cause as well. It's You can sign up for free, but you know there's also plans there. Um, but you got your email, calendar, files, your photo backup, and all mm -hmm. of those in a privacy uh, focused cloud storage solution that you can also, you don't have to have your phone even with you. You can go to a browser on your computer, log in and be able to access your gallery, your tasks, your notes and things like that, like those other cloud services. So it, it really is an awesome platform that you all have developed for people to uh, even passwords and things. If you want to store some stuff yeah. there, you've got a little bit of everything 
uh, for people to utilize and very reasonable pricing to start off if you need more storage and things uh, to kick off there. But definitely, um, you know, I think you can even get, you guys have like an affiliate thing where if you get your friends to sign up, they can get like 40 cents or something along those lines too. Great way to get your friends focused in privacy and get a little kickback for it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should have destinationlinux.net slash marina cloud. There you go. Oh, absolutely. That'll be up probably before knowing Michael, uh, this interview is over. Yeah. (laughs) But this is really interesting because you're talking about having the marina cloud available without having to require you to have a uh, marina phone or EOS in general, which is really cool because it makes it possible for people to use the service that a lot of companies have tried to compete on the level of having these cloud services with calendar and mail and that sort of stuff. And most people are kind of disappointed with what the offerings are offered, you know, what they're given. And it's really nice to see this being done for people who want to have a solution that's an alternative, but also it's kind of a way to ease them into the experience Mm -hmm. of using Marina phones or EOS and that sort of stuff. I really like that. And I, I really like EOS as, as an operating system. It's really good. There's so many cool features of it. I love the fact that you can have the, the privacy tracking stuff where it's able to uh, turn off the trackers as, like after you've already installed it. So many cool things. But the EOS name is a bit of a mouthful. Coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a mouthful. You know, it's, it's when, you, when you say slash E slash OS to be more specific... Or when you're trying to search it, it's kind of difficult. But what are the chances that we might see a rebranding for the OS itself? Uh, we <laughs> that's a that's a good question. Uh, we're we're looking into it. At some point, I think we'll we'll most likely uh, change name. Uh, we we know these limitations. Uh, don't worry, we've been we've been called out for this quite often. <laughs> uh, but we'll we'll definitely do something about this in the future. Yeah. Okay, cool. See, Michael, I was hoping you were going to go for when are you going to release a destination Linux branded phone? Or Tux Digital OS. Tux Digital Ooh, OS. There you go. Yeah, there we go. We could just bake on that. You know, um, I got some late breaking news here too from one of our patrons that they didn't want us to forget to mention that you can self-host you can. the Marina yeah. Cloud Services. That's nice. Is that a thing? Yeah, you can. You can. You can because it's, again, it's the... the so cool. um, uh, one of the benefit of Nextcloud is you can you can have your own Nextcloud instance, and as we're we're basically uh, following Nextcloud and improving it with with our what we believe needs to be improved, you can indeed self-host. Um, we have a lot of people who prefer to have their uh, their data at their house or next to them, which we respect, yeah. um, and so that's why we wanted to offer that that uh, option from from the get go. That's that's very cool. I love that. I like to have a hybrid of both. I like to have a cloud service and I like to have something locally that uh, I store my stuff on too. And so you've kind of got option for both of those. All right. We love secrets on DL. That's like our thing. We love secrets. <laughs> so we need to know a secret on the show, you know, about some things we can look forward to coming from Marina. Even if it's just a hint where our imaginations can go wild or whatever you could give us. What, what's coming from Marina? <laughs> Um, what could I say? Um, well, uh, so the, the, the project, since we started the, the beta, uh, the first beta was released five years ago. And, uh, from the beginning we were told, um, we've been asked, you know, by people, oh, it's, I, I can use, uh, EOS and, and, uh, and Marina Cloud for, for me as an individual, but, you know, 
what if I would like to get my company on uh, on the service? What can I use my own domain or um, could I get my IT guy to buy a fleet of devices? And so um, the, the the next step for us is to uh, try to uh, offer basically solutions for you know small and medium companies um, that want to who want to regain control over their data where the data is stored. Uh, who want to be able to offer privacy, you know, to their employees with a device. Um, so we believe that the, that's a, an interesting next step for us. Um, we're still looking into how, you know, how it's going to look, what is it going to take? Uh, there's, it's, it's quite a, um, uh, quite a wide uh, project, if you will. Uh, but that's one of the things we're looking into because we we believe it's important for. Uh, businesses to also regain trust uh, in their data, in their phones, and uh, everything related to that. I mean, my gosh, look at all the breaches that are happening constantly with companies. Uh, and and they, they've just, even though they're not open source focused at all, all of their secrets are out there anyways at this point because of all of these breaches and, and their employees, you know, obviously putting their company apps on the regular devices and phones and having no control over what data is being leaked from that. And there's bring your own device policy is itself like, it sounds like a good option for the people who want to use their own device, but it's also like security crazy. Hey, put your company's email and all of your super secrets and documents on the phone, along with TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and all this other stuff. And also, just just if if you really want <laughs> to, be sure to bring it, bring your own uh, your own device, and also all the data you have on the device. Let's just send it through the like OpenAI chatbot stuff, and you know yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. It's it's brilliant. Well, listen, that's the the end of our interview. I would could go on honestly with about four hundred more questions for you because I think <laughs> the work you're doing is fascinating. But um, I think the most important thing to say is thank you for the work that you're doing in open source and privacy. The work Marina's doing, that entire team, the community, everyone there. Um, this is absolutely vital to really the future for our kids and for people who you know, are still emerging to understand what privacy, what implications this is going to have on us. Having companies like this with what I like to say is a real solution where I don't have to have a shoe on head type of scenario where I've got to jump over backwards or, you know, install some super secret thing through this wizardly code. It just, it's a phone. You boot it up. It works. You've got all the services you're used to there that you're familiar with. The interfaces are familiar the color schemes, the icon themes, there's, it, it's all professional and bright and happy. And at the same time, I'm able to provide privacy and security to my loved ones and the devices that I use. Just thank you for all of this awesome work to you and the entire team over there, Marina. We appreciate it. No, thank you. Thank you for these kind words. And I'll, I'll make sure the team is also uh, hears that because it, they are working hard on this. Uh, not always easy, but it's very... Uh, very nice to hear that people are are pleased and and like what we're what we're doing. Yep, and you have an open invitation to come back anytime. So next time you got another secret to share with <laughs> us, we're going to have you back on the show. With pleasure. Thanks for hanging out with us today. 
All right. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. This episode of Destination Linux is sponsored by Linbit. Linbit has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years. They're the makers of open source products like DRBD, which is high availability software that has been part of the Linux kernel since 2010, and Linstore, industry-leading open source software-defined storage. Linbit has an active presence in the open source community, and they collaborate with the community to help identify and build new features. Linbit provides enterprise-grade software that runs on a variety of platforms and OSs without vendor lock-in. What that means is, is that you could choose the software on any platform, including specific hardware that you want to use or just off-the-shelf hardware that you get and connect it. You get, all of this stuff can be interchanged really easily. And with DRBD and LinStore, you can have high-speed replicated block storage in almost any configuration. Whether it's Kubernetes, Apache Cloud, or Open Nebula, there's even DRBD proxy for long-distance replication. Linbit is run by its founders to this day, and all of its engineers and developers are in-house with offices in Europe and North America, which allows them to have global 24-7 support to complement their enterprise offerings. Visit linbit.com to learn more about the people behind Linbit and the awesome software for block storage, duplication, and more. So our software spotlight this week is one that's helped me out of a jam. So I've been playing with the Raspberry Pi 5 recently. And nice. I'm wanting to record mm-hmm. some footage of some of the cool things for the DOS Geek channel that I'm doing with the Raspberry Pi 5. Kind of give people an intro into this little device. I know it's so beautiful. Those watching the video version, Michael's holding one up. It's so gorgeous. Yeah. It gives me a little bit of geek chills. One of the things I wanted to do, of course, is do the VNC, right? Share the screen to my main mm-hmm. computer where I'm doing the recording because I don't want to slow down the Raspberry Pi while I'm doing some intensive stuff on it to show people where it's at. And so I was looking at different VNC options. Remina is one of the ones that I've used in the past, but it's a little more complicated to kind of set up with some of the certificate and preloading and stuff that you can do. I mean, if if you're using it for batch systems and VNC and stuff, Remina is very, very good and great for that. But I just wanted something simple. Tiger VNC was so simple. I enabled VNC on the Raspberry Pi in the settings, installed Tiger VNC. Of course, I have it set to a static IP for my Raspberry Pi. So I just typed the IP address says, do you want to accept the certificate? It's on my local network. I'm not really worried about certificates and those things at this point. So yes, boom, I can see my screen. I even have it up actually right now. And I can control the Raspberry Pi 5 with the visual of the desktop. And of course, I can record that in OBS and other things for recording. So that's the software spotlight this week is Tiger VNC, which is a high-performance platform-neutral implementation of the virtual network computing. Client-server application allows users to launch and interact with your graphical applications remotely. And this is just a very cool, easy program. All you got to have is an IP address of the machine and, of course, your VNC enabled, and you're good to go. So check it out. The tip of the week this episode is spreadsheet-related. I know people have been wanting us to come back to the spreadsheets topic for a long time, but Ryan keeps getting in the way and putting up other tips So I had to come back and like, now we finally got it back. So we got spreadsheet tips. And today we're going to talk about formulas because formulas are incredibly important. Now there's all kinds of different formulas you can do. There's huge lists and documents that you go and check them out. But there are so many cool things that you have to really get started with this one particular thing that's very simple. Just the equal sign. You type the equal sign in any cell and that starts the formula. Now, this could be a formula for counting the different cells and the, and the, inf- the input into those together with the uh, count 
sum or the, the, the count option. And there's also the sum option, which does a different kind of counting, but it also has other options of averaging. You can also do LEN for the length, to count the length of the cell. You can also do some if statements where you're able to c calculate per certain pieces of the cells, but in case you want to filter out some, you can do that as well. I have a combination of stuff where I have a reference point where some of the data is calculated together, and then I use other datas and other sheets to be able to uh, basically filter out stuff based on the date, based on the type of category it is, and all sorts of stuff. It's fantastic when you combine all these things together. Now, it's not possible to give you all these different things in the show notes, but we'll give you like the basics for that so you can check that out for more details about how spreadsheets can be so powerful and yet so simple. Yeah, honestly, okay, not, this not is really something you'll simple, use actually. in your work life and your personal life, whether you're doing quick financial calculations, uh, if you're at work, maybe far more advanced things, but your ability to utilize these formulas that you're talking about, these are some of the you know, simple ones, but they're very powerful, even though they're simple. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of them start with the equal symbol. But if you learn this, it's like learning the shortcuts of a terminal, how you can be so much faster. Yeah, you could do stuff through a GUI, but you can be so much faster. And a lot of things, if you learn the shortcuts of a terminal, yeah. you take the time to learn this formulas in spreadsheet software, whether using only Office, uh, Google's version of spreadsheets, or if you're using Excel, you're just going to become very proficient and fast and being able to deliver answers on the fly, even during conference calls or other things, because you can calculate these formulas very quickly. So it is a really good talent to learn that you just constantly geek out about now. I should constantly. have never taught you anything about spreadsheets. It is your you This stop. is actually funny because Ryan doesn't really know this, but he is the reason I got really into spreadsheets because I was one time I was at his. Uh, house and we were going through something or I forgot what we were doing related to the spreadsheet, but he moved the mouse to the bottom right corner, extra tip of the week, the bottom right corner. And he just pulled down the thing. And I was like, okay, what is that? You're selecting like, no, no, no. All of a sudden data just shows up because it's pre-calculating based on the content you have selected. And then you pull down the drag, the, the little corner on the bottom right. It then fills out wherever you are doing automatically. Now, sometimes it's not right, but sometimes if you get the pattern properly set up in the previous cells, it will do the pattern that you did endlessly, as however long you want to stretch it. And when he showed me that, it was like, what? Yeah, I can automate the formula? Interesting. So good. Yeah. Anyway. And so, you can use uh, dollar signs and things to fix oh, that one God. formula you want to drag down a row to make certain cells or fields always the same denominator or for instance, if you're wanting to calculate and things, there's so much power there and it is a really useful talent uh, to use in your work life and things. So I yeah. think it's still a great tip and trick of the week. Now I'm going to make you wait a little longer before we do another spreadsheet tip and trick, Michael. <laughs> I'm not going to let Lame. you do them every week because you never stop. Lame. <laughs> out too much. But too there much. is one thing I wanted to tell you. But you were talking about the financial stuff. It was yeah. actually kind of funny because I got into spreadsheets so much because of finance. And you might be thinking like, why? That's, uh, who, that's boring. Or who cares about budgets? And I understand why you still might be a little bit off of it. But I was... I've been talking to people for years about what is what do you use for your financial stuff? Like, what do you use for your budget and keeping track of your finances and all that sort of stuff? And they would mention these applications and there's a, there's a, a lot of them. And I've tried all of these different applications and they're supposed to connect to your bank account to pull in the transactions automatically and categorize stuff. And they all basically do what they claim to do, but they do it in a way that still requires manual correction and manual input. And then I realized, or I could just download the CSV 
put it in a spreadsheet and do exactly the same thing if I was doing without all these things and not have to set anything to my bank account and all that. And turns out that's, that's better. Cause I can, yeah. I control more calculations and I can do more formulas and do, I can do a, a whole separate spreadsheet that is connecting to this sheet to do a bunch of reports automatically. And I'll, it's better. Such a geek. I love it. I love it. All right. If you want more tips from Michael on spreadsheets, you're gonna have to wait a little bit on the show, but if you come to scale, which is <laughs> March 14th through the 17th, you can ask him in person about some True. of his tips and tricks. Yeah. And Scale is happening at the Pasadena Convention Center in Pasadena, California, where the entire DL crew will be there along with other amazing vendors, presenters, and all kinds of open source goodness and networking possibilities for you there as well. Because I know a lot of people are looking for new careers, new jobs. Uh, this is a fantastic place to network with lots of major companies in the open source world, all having booths there. Ability for you to drop off your resume, get to know some people. It's all an option there at Scale, plus so many great talks and other things. So go check that out. And a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening. However you do it, we love your faces. You can come join us on our Discord right now and hang out with our community. Go to tuxdigital.com slash Discord. You already have something in common with everybody in the community. You love Linux and you love Jill. So you automatically mm -hmm. yep. have a connection there that you can talk about. And we have all kinds of forums there. You can talk about movies, TV shows. It doesn't have to be just Linux and open source, general chat, whatever you want. There's rooms for everybody there to talk about your passions, even spreadsheets. Maybe we'll create a spreadsheet. Even spreadsheets, maybe, maybe. yeah. And also, there's a section just for patrons in the patron-only portion of our Discord server, and you can get access to that by becoming a patron at tuxdigital.com slash membership, as well as many other cool perks that you can get, such as the awesome perk of being able to watch the show live, which mm. happens every week. I want that. And mm -hmm. You can also check out the unedited versions if you can't make it to the live show, which gets basically all the same content at your own leisure at your time, which is, of course, another benefit. Plus, those unedited versions are also ad-free, so you can check that out. All of this, tuxdigital.com slash membership, plus... There's even more because every week after the show, there's the patron-only post show. And so you can join us and hang out after the week and uh, talk to us about spreadsheets or uh, <laughs> Excel or Google Sheets or uh, LibreOffice or OnlyOffice or uh, KOffice because that still technically exists. You probably shouldn't use it anymore, but it, it probably kind of exists. Or WordPerfect. WordPerfect, uh, all sorts of different things we can talk about. <laughs> That's a, a, a plethora of options. Microsoft Paint. Word, Word Star. Word Star, yes. Yeah. Star Office and all of those. Yeah. Go to, go to tuxdigital.com slash membership to join now. And also go to tuxdigital.com slash store to support the show and the network. You can get a bunch of cool stuff. We have hats, mugs, t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, coasters, so much more at tuxdigital.com slash store. And make sure to check out all the incredible shows here on Text Digital. That's right. We have an entire network of shows to fill your entire week with geeky goodness. Check out Linux Saloon, our virtual lug that happens every week. You can watch it on YouTube. Hit, the, hit subscribe on the Linux Saloon YouTube channel and set up alerts so you can join in on the fun live. And everyone head to textdigital.com and subscribe to all these incredible shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching and the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Everybody have a great week. And remember that the journey itself 
is just as important as the destination. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Ryan didn't even talk about the fact that I wore my awesome polo shirt. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, everyone, Michael wore an awesome polo shirt. Exactly. It's the Tux Digital polo shirt, it's man. Beautiful. It is. It's very it's, pretty. It's, it's, it's very it's, pretty it's colors. It's like the best kind of shirt you could get, really, you know? Very clean logo. It's very clean. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank but you. But yet pronounced. You look so professional. Thank I, Yeah. Look at look at that. Man. Someone take a screenshot of that and just use that as your wallpaper. Like that's like the thinking man that sits on top of the planet. Like, man. Exactly. <laughs> deep. It's deep. See you next week, everybody. Mm -hmm. Bye, everyone. <laughs>